0: This podcast is a 3D audio production, so watch out as sounds may seem to come from beside you or behind you. For the best listening experience, please use headphones.
1: I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation.
2: Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy
3: Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Prisons, missing persons, and visions of destiny. It's episode 453 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Isn't there? That the, describes this week's show pretty well, actually, because Taylor Hanley going to be joining me in a few minutes to talk about Mayor of Kingstown Season 2. That McCluskey family is maybe never more stressful for them than it is in this second season, which you can now watch on Paramount Plus. We'll get some inside info coming up on that. Also, Ryan Broussard, who plays Mike on Alert Missing Persons Unit from Fox, he's going to be joining me to talk about all the stuff that we've seen so far in these first three episodes and tease ahead. To this week's this coming week's upcoming episode as well if you're an Adult Swim fan I've also got the creators and the cast of YOLO Silver Destiny that's show returning midnight on January the 22nd on Adult Swim so I've got Michael Cusack with me Todd Manojlovich and Sarah Bishop are going to be joining me as well so yeah a lot of great interviews on the show this week and you know I'm going to talk about the Last of Us premiere right going to do that with spoilers the Mandalorian trailers here got a couple more trailers to talk about as well So super excited for everything coming up on this week's show. So I guess we better get started, right? Let's get Taylor Hanley in here to talk about season two of Mayor of Kingstown. Let's do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: This is David Fielding, Zordon from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast.
3: The chaos has begun. Season two of Mayor of Kingstown is now streaming on Paramount+. And the first episode was bonkers, and it only gets crazier from there so I thought it would be a good chance to catch up get some insight on this season from one of the members of the McCluskey family it's none other than Taylor Hanley who plays Kyle McCluskey Taylor how you doing hey James how you doing bud good man good really digging this season of Mary Kingstown so far man season one though was very personal at the start for both you and for both Kyle and Mike do you kind of feel like though the stakes even higher now this season
2: Oh, absolutely. Especially with what everybody went through in season one. I I was just breaking this down. You know, Kyle, he's going through the death of his older, older brother. He's going through the death of his partner. He's going through, you know, multiple shootings. And then he goes through the prison riot as a detective in the prison while the prisoners have the, the prison while he's got a baby on the way. I mean, the mental strain on, on kyle is just unfathomable and then when we pick up in season two we're three to four weeks out from the prison riot and kyle's on a a, on a boat in the middle of lake michigan trying to stop a drug deal that turns out to be a maple syrup deal gone wrong i mean you know this guy can't win
3: it's pretty wild man as a matter of fact it's funny that you mentioned that because you know everybody wanted to take that safer job right you know get i get out of kingstown take that safer job we kind of see a little bit of that in the first episode do you feel like there is a safer for him, though? Is that really even possible in his line of work? This guy can't escape
2: danger at, at all at all costs. He like, But I think at the same time, because what Kyle went through in the prison riot, he's really looking to redeem himself after his inaction during the prison riot. I think that there's a lot of pain and shame that he's dealing with because of how he behaved in the prison. I think that... You know, he caved. Let's be honest. He caved. And so now I think he's trying to he's trying to redeem himself in his own eyes.
3: It's interesting because a lot of the talk in season one, and I mean, rightfully so, was about physical safety for for everybody involved. Do you kind of feel like there's more of an emphasis this season as well on mental health and mental safety as well? Like you said, everybody was going is going through so much. And maybe Kyle more than anybody. So do you think like mental health, mental safety, a big part of this season?
2: Absolutely. And you also see it with Michael Beach's character in episode one, what he's going through, the PTSD. He's he's suffering and, you know, his character went through way more traumatic events than and than Kyle, essentially. So, yeah, there is especially between the relationship between Kyle and his wife, Tracy, played by Nishi Munshi, uh, she's she's really trying to advocate for him. And, and get him to to talk about it, but the last thing that Kyle wants to do is break the seal off of his trauma because as soon as he does, he knows that he is going to be floored. So he's just running and gunning, like I say, just doing doing everything he can to uh, escape that and not and, and and defer and defer his trauma.
3: What is that balance for him though? The the balance of like you said, trying to redeem himself from what happened with the prison riot, but also dealing with what happened in the prison riot and everything that he's going through. How is he going to balance that, you think, this season?
2: There is no balance. He's completely off kilter, on tilt, and you're going to see him exhibit some very questionable behavior, to say the least.
3: Do you think, how close to the line is he, do you think? How close is he to that ultimate breaking point? We saw him break a little bit last season, right right towards the end there, but is he right there at the line of that breaking point? You think?
2: The breaking point looking like what?
3: That's the question.
2: The breaking point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to know what that looks like. And I, I don't know if he fully goes through it, but I don't know. It's tough. I mean, it's, I I think that the audience is really going to just have to judge it their own way. You know, there are definitely situations that he gets into this season that are really, really heightened and, and dangerous and, and. (laughs) unquestionable
3: all i'm saying is i after the end of episode two no spoilers but after the end of episode two i'm concerned i'm very concerned i was broken after that man i can only imagine what he's going through
2: yeah yeah i you know he is definitely he's definitely doing whatever he can to not face what he's feeling because he knows as soon as he does it's over for him so you know but also he's you know he's irish he's a mccluskey so you know it's it's a question of how much how much, you know, trauma can he bear, you know? Apparently I mean, Mike, apparently they can hold a lot, right? I was going to say, apparently
3: they can handle it in spades. I mean, if you just look at yeah. family in general, they can handle it in spades. It's yeah. funny, it leads me into my next question. I want to talk about family, of course, big part of the show. The relationship between Mike and Kyle, definitely a complicated one, but, you know, they're brothers. So how far do you think Kyle will go to help his brother, especially this season? Because he's in the thick of it. The thing that I love the most about these guys
2: is that they have each other's backs no matter what. One can be off the rails, and the other one will just back them up no matter what. Uh, you, you you'll see in episode two, Mike makes a, somewhat of a questionable uh, choice to yeah, you think to, to bring a person to their house. I'm not going to spoil it, no. And 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 Kyle tries to check him, but he still has his back. So that that's what the the thing I love most about the dynamic between these guys is that they know that they're all they got left, you know. With one brother down, they're, they're, they're going to have each other's backs no matter what.
3: It's funny because I, I feel like having each other's backs, but also they tell each other kind of what they need to hear in the moments too. We've seen that a couple of times in the show already. So Mike seems to have kind of an interesting relationship with Iris. I'm not sure how I would describe it really, but you know he obviously wants to help her. We understand that. But how much do you think her presence just in general going to make things more dangerous not just for Mike but for the whole family just her being around in general
2: what's that saying the two birds of a feather two ber- what's what's that saying you know that saying A
3: flock <laughs> together yeah there you go
2: yeah they they really you know the the relationship between them and 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 I'm saying this because I was actually thinking about it watching episode 1 the other night or 201 the other night they really seem to be they understand each other in in a world where nobody else understands them. Like they know each other like a hundred percent. Like that, that's that's the feeling I was feeling between the two of them.
3: Moving on a little bit from that, I remember how stressful it was when I found out I was gonna be a dad and going through the whole stress, am I gonna be a good parent? And all of these things, just in a normal everyday life. Now, here you got Kyle dealing with, I'm gonna be a dad, I've got a baby coming into the world, and everything's just burning around him. So, how much does that being a dad, add to that pressure that would normally not necessarily, how much does that really enhance it more so than it would be otherwise?
2: Great question. And I, I remember what it was like getting that pressure, you know, uh, of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a dad. I mean, it's crazy, right? It's crazy to to, to know that you're going to be responsible for mm-hmm. another human being and yep. their safety. And, and especially what Kyle must be going through and what, you know, I've you know broken down for him is how do you keep this, this baby that's coming into a town, as you said, that's burning around you? How do you keep them safe when you can't even keep yourself safe? It's adding, it it, it adds immense pressure, which I think is, you know, the most interesting thing about Kyle is how he's choosing to deal with this. And really when everything around you is crumbling and everything around you is a pressure, you really just have to deal with what's in front of you. And I think Kyle does a lot of that this season. There's not a lot of thinking about the consequences of the, his actions, but he's just trying his best, you know, going bird by bird, right? <laughs> just, just hitting things one after the other, just one foot in front of the other.
3: I love that bird by bird. That's a good yeah. way to put it, man. Very good yeah. way to put it. Before I let you go. I mean, you've had so many great scenes with this just incredibly talented cast that you've gotten, but is there anyone that you got to work with a little bit more this season and season two? That you're looking forward to fans seeing.
2: I've got, I love this cast. This cast is just the, the most talented cast uh, ever. And everybody's bringing their A game. And what I loved about this season is that relationships were formed with all the characters. We, we got to, you're going to be able to see all the characters kind of mesh together. And and meet each other and, and and form their own relationships, which is which is very cool, and I thought it was really really well done and a great idea.
3: Really quickly, what's the future for this show? Do you feel like this is something that could run for multiple seasons? Because I just feel like no matter what happens at the end of this season, there's a ton of stories to tell.
2: Absolutely, one of the things Taylor shared and told me, you know, one of the first things he told me was, "I've got six six seasons in my head right now. Right now, I can do six seasons." Like, and personally, this show. Is just so so dear to me. I I love its grit, the rawness, the realness, and to be able to create in this world with the pedigree of people, the caliber of people that 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 we get to create with, and the stories that we get to tell. I mean, there's nothing better. I want it to run forever.
3: <laughs> well, hopefully it does that. New episodes yeah. of Mayor of Kingstown going to be airing every Sunday on Paramount Plus. Here's the six seasons and beyond, man. Taylor Handley. thank you so much, man. We for Appreciate
2: it. you so much, James.
3: And I will tell you this, not only are you not ready for what Kyle's about to go through, starting with episode two, I mean, really starting this season, but really episode two really gives you another one of those moments where you go, oh, really? Like he wasn't dealing with enough already, but just this entire second episode is a huge wow episode for me. So yeah, if you're not already streaming Mayor of Kingstown on Paramount+, Plus, make sure you're doing that. New episodes are dropping every Sunday and you've still got time to catch up right now not not just on the first season but on the first couple episodes of the second season as well this whole thing's going to be bonkers and i cannot wait for the ride that's about to come again thanks for taylor hanley for joining me to talk about mayor of kingstown this week up next we're going to switch gears and head to fox and talk about alert missing persons unit once again but this time with ryan broussard get his thoughts next on the down and nerdy podcast
1: Hi, this is Keiko Agena from Prodigal Son, and you're
4: listening to the Down and Nerdy
3: Podcast. Well, like I said in last week's show when I reviewed it, they don't just get their babies back. They got a mystery going on as well. Alert, Missing Persons Unit, which you can watch every Monday night on Fox and again on Hulu next day. It's There's a lot of amazing stuff going on, and this guy is right in the center of it. He plays Mike. It's Ryan Broussard. Ryan, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. How are you?
3: Doing great, man. Doing great. So, can you actually talk about really quickly what kind of drew you to the show? Because did you realize pretty quickly when you're reading the scripts that this isn't like your typical procedural type show?
0: Yeah, that's exactly what draws you to it. I mean, I think there's so much. It's such a character-driven piece, where, whereas in a lot of procedurals, it's just kind of case to case basis, and you're and you're focused on that. But it really. This show gives you a real in-depth view of each one of these characters, you know, personal lives, professional lives. It really gives you a, a sense of who these people are, what their character is. So that's that's what immediately drew it to me. And then just even the character breakdown of Mike, I was like, I know who, exactly who this is. I mean, it, this is not going to take some a ton of work. It's challenging, but at the same time, it's like I can buy into who this person is. He has a lot of the same values and morals that I have. So, yeah, it was it was super easy to get into. And I was into the project as, as as soon as I got it, you know, and I and I read the script.
3: And Mike was a character that I liked instantly, too. So that certainly helps. He was one of the ones that just jumped right out at me. So after yeah. three episodes, man, I think that it's safe to say that Mike's an extremely patient guy. With yeah. everything that's, he's already been through with Nikki and the family since Keith's return, things like that. So we see him, the little glances he gives when Nikki and Jason are together. How difficult is this for him really right now?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's I've said it before. Where the, the the part of Mike I like so much is that he has so much compassion and empathy for for human beings. I think that's why he wants to be part of the MPU and and help families. You know, get their the people who are missing back and 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 kind of not save the day or, or play superhero, but he just, he just he wants to be part of that. And I think. He wouldn't be a human being and he wouldn't have that empathy if he didn't understand that Jason and Nikki went through something extremely traumatic that will tie them together forever. So it's like you want to be as supportive as you can, but at what point does, you know, kind of human error kick in and that jealousy that, you know, we all experience as human beings kind of kick in and as you, you said it perfectly. It's like, you know, you you have to be patient and you, you want to give them the, the space to heal. And and Keith is back in the picture. So you understand that that kind of throws a, you know, a, a kink in, in, in our relationship and, and what that means for us. But at the same time, it's hard, man. It's 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 very, very hard. So, like, that's that's the thing that I I, th- I think Mike is a stronger person than, than me. Ryan is because I don't know if I would have that much patience. So that's that's where the challenge you know, lies in as an actor is that like, yeah, you know, you have to really buy into how patient this guy is, how empathetic this guy is. But when does that, when does that jealousy start creeping? And I think we see that as each episode goes on, if it gets more and more complicated.
3: And obviously like they're engaged now. So it seems like the, on the surface, it feels like they're on pretty solid footing, right? Because they're engaged. And we saw, of course, you know, their, their little hookup in episode three there, which was, <laughs> which was, which was pretty great. So, but do you think at the same time, do you feel like he's kind of treading lightly because we saw what happened when he was questioning Keith and he was on Keith's case? So, do you think he's kind of treading lightly with Nikki right now because of just how fragile everything is and how raw everything is?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think with with Nikki, the, the the professional and the and the personal are are, are coming into the in, into the office where it's like we have to get this information if we want to find. Keith's kidnapper, I, I have to grill him about this. I have to ask these questions that might be painful and and might be traumatic for him to recall. But at the same time, it's necessary. And then you see Nikki wanting to protect him and, and being a mom, you know, so it's that it, it, it complicates our work. It's like we're not able to do our job because it is so personal. And I mean, I'm taking it personally as well, because I was the person who was responsible for heading the of finding Keith when he initially went went missing that's how me and nikki kind of formed a relationship so it it means a lot to me to find keith's kidnapper as well but it's it's also you know it's very very hard when when it's it's so personal for nikki that she's trying to protect them at all costs and it's it's not really helping that helping our case and finding him any any faster
3: it's funny that you say that because that kind of leads me to my next question does it kind of feel like if you take a step back does it seem like everybody's kind of too close to this. It, you know, it's like you know like how doctors aren't supposed to operate on their relatives sort of thing. I do yeah. kind of feel like everybody might be a little bit too close to this thing.
0: Yeah, that's why I think as an audience and the characters in the show want to believe that it's that it's Keith so bad. You know, because there, there's so many questions of like, you know, I, I saw a lot of people saying like, just can we just do a DNA test on this on this kid already? And, and it's hard because all, every single one of us wants to believe that it's Keith because, you know, six years have gone by. We're, we're so invested in this that we kind of have the blinders on where it's like it would just be a simple like, OK, let's do this DNA test and find out if it's really him. But it's at the same time you want to protect them. You got to understand how does that make him feel? you know, if every single person that's, you know, involved in his life doesn't believe that it's exactly. really exactly. So it's like, you're walk you're walking that line and it's like, yeah, everybody's in it too deep. So it's like, we got to just kind of like, let it play out. I think that's the fun of of the show is that we're going to, as an audience, we're, we're going to all find out every, all this information as, as time goes by each episode.
3: And we saw a little bit of a tease of that actually in episode three with maybe there's a DNA test. Maybe there isn't, but We've also seen little teases almost at the end of every episode you guys. Something's going on with Sydney. We don't know what's going on there. So what is going on with this family, man? I mean, are we just scratching the surface of what we're, what we're about to find out here?
0: I mean, there's there's so many things that just information that we find each episode that deals with Sydney and how she's involved with Keith and how, how Jason is, how I am, how uh, Kimmy is. See, like we're, we're all kind of in this together, uncovering new information. Of, of how he went missing, why he went missing, you know, who took him, That like this, this is gonna be something that unfolds throughout these 10 episodes that you kind of have to just pay attention to every single scene because there's little clues here and there. So it's like, if you go missing and you go to the kitchen and get something, it's like, you might've missed a very, very huge plot point of unfolding this whole key thing. But then at the same time, you still have to understand that like we're working a case to case base with, the, with these other people who are missing. So it's like it just gives the audience a lot to follow. I, I think with most procedurals, like I said, it, it just kind of gives you like a case and, you know, you just kind of like that's that's what it is but you become so invested in these every single character's life and, and how this whole key thing is affecting them. And yeah, it's, it, I think it just keeps you on the edge of your seat more than any other show that that's out there.
3: No doubt about that. Talking to Ryan Broussard, of course, of course was Mike on alert missing persons unit from Fox. You can also watch it again next day on Hulu after you're watching it every Monday night. Now, Ryan, with everything that's going on, you mentioned this earlier, this, this team still has to do their job. Sort of thing. We yeah. still have these missing persons that pop up from week to week. So how incredible would you say is the writing as the writing in each of these episodes? Because these are some extremely detailed missing person, missing person stories.
0: Yeah. I mean, each one is, is unlike the other one that precedes it. Yeah. It, it keeps, it, it keeps us on our toes because a lot of the times we're, we're getting these, these episodes like two episodes at a time. So we don't know, you know, when we're, when we're shooting episode four and five, like we don't necessarily know what's going to happen in, in episode six or seven as far as just the cases not anything to do like we're we're all i think anticipating the key thing just like everybody else but we are also excited about like okay what is this new case going to be where somebody goes missing and we have to find them so like we're we're kind of like on the edge of our seats anticipating that and yeah the writing is 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 has always been good they they haven't let us down throughout this first season where i think it's like super detailed you know, it's not just kids going missing. It's adults going missing. Like, we have to also understand that, that like in a missing persons unit are like, you know, Amber Alerts are like, we always think that it's like, it has to be a child. It's like, no, adults go missing too. Like people yep. have loved ones, people have husbands, people have wives that go missing for, you know, months, years, you know? So it's, it's I think that's it, just having that variation just really, I think, allows the audience to understand are our, our, our the, the people who are really out there doing this groundwork, which is our inspiration. You know, we can, we get to portray these characters and and kind of pay homage to them but at the same time like there are real heroes out there like doing this groundwork and these characters are based off of them so yeah it's diverse it's yeah every every single case is is new and interesting so the writing has been incredible for us
3: that's one of the things i really love about the show too so you hit the nail right on the head on that one so let's talk about this team though for a second because this is such a great group of characters man how much do you love this group and all of the different personalities that you've got going on in the room with, with Nikki and Kimmy and everybody. It's just such a, it's a fun group.
0: No, I mean, every, every single person is, is, like I said, we we mentioned diverse and, and it's not just diverse in ethnicity or gender. Like it's, it's, it's diverse in personalities. And like each one of us brings such a, I think a unique element to the, the, the characters. Scott is just so unbelievably effortlessly funny and witty. And like his dry sense of humor has been something that I've always been a humongous fan and, Fan of and 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 Danya plays Nikki so fearlessly and as so we we were actually talking about it yesterday in one of the interviews about how the first day of production we had that big stunt where she jumps off of the balcony into the pool. She actually wanted to do that. They had to talk her down. And I was like, I why, don't think-
3: why am I not surprised?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't understand, like day one, we don't need you like jumping in a pool and dislocating your shoulder and you're out for production for the rest. Of- you know, I was like, but she was, she was dead serious about doing it. So she's just, she's such a fearless leader and intense. And, and, but she also brings this, you know, like, uh, I think it's super important for her to bring that motherly, you know, like she is a mom of. Of, of her two twins and you know like she brings such a compassion to to the role and adiola is like bringing kimmy to life i mean like that's such a hard character to play because it's mm-hmm. like who is this character this character is somebody who's unbelievably bright but then she's like also a shaman who like does these you know medical practices that are so out there that like we all kind of just like over the years have bought into it and and we're we're all part of it now like that was one of my i think my favorite interactions with the character was with her because like throughout the season not just me and Addie bonding as as coworkers but just also in the show we found that that ease uh in our relationship between Mike and 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 Kimmy and then see like every everybody plays their part beautifully well like we had we had such a connection right off the bat i think that chemistry bleeds off of in, in on the, on screen so well because it's natural, it's organic. Like that's we really that's really how we feel about each other in real life, and it happens super quick.
3: It shows on screen too, man. It really, really does. And you guys will see it. Break out the sandalwood candles and the eggs because every Monday night on Fox, we've got Alert Missing Persons Unit that you can watch every Monday at 9 p.m. And again, by the way, on Hulu. So like Ryan said, if you feel like you might have missed something, you watch it get on Hulu, and you go, "Oh, that was important. I'm glad I did that." So. You'll find out a lot about what's going on in these upcoming episodes. Ryan Broussard, thank you so much, man, for the time today. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me, man.
3: And I'm going to tell you right now, every time I watch a show like this, I'm a procedural guy anyway. I like procedural shows. But then you see a show like this that not only brings really detailed and fresh procedural cases to the show, but the ongoing story has all those, like Ryan said, little bits and pieces that you want to pay attention to. Just looking for those subtleties to try and find out the mystery of, is this Keith? Is it not, Keith? And the question we have left is, is that where's the swerve? Where's the thing that's going to make you go? I thought I knew this, but in reality, this is what's happening. Because that's that's the one thing I'm waiting for coming up with this show. And who knows? We might just be getting it in the next couple of episodes. We'll have to wait and see. Make sure you're watching Alert, Missing Persons Unit, every Monday night on Fox and again on Hulu. Yeah, just to make sure you you didn't miss anything. Because, you know, I have already. I had to watch a couple of episodes twice already. So make sure you're doing that as well. Thanks to Ron Broussard for joining me to talk about Alert Missing Persons Unit. Up next, the interviews continue. We'll talk about YOLO Silver Destiny from Adult Swim. We'll get the cast and the creators of that show next. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Chris Vance from
0: Supergirl, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
3: Whether you want to be a gardener or an empress, they have something for you. YOLO Silver Destiny premieres on Adult Swim, midnight, that's Sunday, January the 22nd, and next day on HBO Max. And I get a chance to sit down with the show's creator, Michael Cusack, the voice of Rachel Todd Manojlovich and the voice of Sarah herself, Sarah Bishop, to talk about this upcoming second season. Of course, this one named Silver Destiny. And boy, is this a crazy show. So let's get some inside info on this upcoming season and have a little bit of fun with them. Michael, Sarah, Toter, how's everybody doing? Good.
5: How's it going, James?
3: Very good, very good. So excited that YOLO Silver Destiny is back. It's been almost two years now. You guys have got to be pretty excited too. So, I mean, what's it like to be back for everybody?
5: For me, it's really great. I was just happy enough we could get a season two for this because this is just a... I mean, we're just so lucky to make a show like this because a lot of it is just nonsense in a great way. Like it's a lot of it's the weird stuff that Todd and I thought was funny when we were growing up as kids and it's very Aussie. So the fact we got that onto American TV is great too. It's just fantastic. It's just so much fun because we've got a a small crew of friends that's that are we all love working together. And yeah, we're just so excited to be able to do more of this and have Adult Swim be
3: so kind to let us do it. What do you think, Todd? How do you feel about being back?
4: Oh, every time, whenever I get to do any work on YOLO, it's the best job that I can do. You know, I, I tried to get my hands on everything this this season. You know, I did some of the audio and the music, and you know, the the voices, a little bit of the writing. Yeah, it's honestly like I, I could go forever. It's and and that's the thing. It, it sort of has this um, reputation around the studio that we work in for being the one that everybody has the most fun on, just because everybody uses their instincts and. You know, the, the feedback that we get is more character based rather than technical based. So it's always a real pleasure to to come back to it, you know?
6: Yeah, it's it's a dream job. It really, it really is. I can't lie. It's just like a lot of fun. And it's cool coming back now because the show's actually been out in Australia because when it first came out, I think was it out in the US for like a year and a half
5: before? Yeah. yeah. It only went on
4: to a stand wow. I
3: didn't Wow, I didn't even know that. It wasn't even on in Australia. No.
4: They did billboards and everything. It was quite funny, actually. Wow. It's like they, they did billboards in Australia, and we couldn't watch. I thought it was hilarious. You know, that was a funny joke to start with. But, uh, yeah, we couldn't watch it until it came out on stand. You know, yeah, I think a year and a half or two years later.
3: The joke inside the joke. I love yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I love that. It's funny. When I watch this show, even still in the second season, I, I look at Sarah and I look at Rachel and I go, how are they friends but they're friends and it works so like i guess for for todd and sarah for you guys why why does this work so well between the two of them because it just does in a weird way
4: (laughs) god knows honestly i think underneath you know underneath a lot of because it's always rachel that's you know turning everything to crap isn't it you know she's always the one that's trying to get away and trying to tell sarah what to do and you know (laughs) being horrible but i think underneath you know she does so there is a lot of love underneath I think that's the thing that works in the end there's always those relationships that you see in real life and you go why are you friends with this toxic person you know oh, I see something in them you know there's something there's something there under under the surface that's you know that I stay attracted to sort of thing so I guess that's yeah it follows real life in that sense you you see a lot of people who you, who you think might not work together and that you know it, it works out in the end regardless
6: yeah I think I think for Sarah, like for all Rachel's flaws she's loyal and you know she's she's the first person that Sarah wants to call when something great happens to her she's the first person that Sarah would call when she's in an emergency and i didn't grow up in wollongong i grew up in a town called Townsville which is about the same size as Wollongong and sometimes those like regional cities in Australia can be a bit rough so I think Sarah does like having a friend like Rachel she feels safe with Rachel I think for sure
3: is it one of those things that like they need each other maybe they balance each other out is is that a little bit of a part of it you think
4: yeah a bit of a yin and yang going on absolutely yeah I think we're We're polar opposites in a sense, but you know, that's, you you need the yin and yang to make up the interface. So,
5: (laughs) And I think, you know, something that bugs me sometimes with the odd couple dynamic is it's, it's what comes to mind with a lot of people when they see it is why would the good person hang around with the bad one? Why would they put up with them? And I think when it, when it comes to Sarah is, I think it's two things. I think she's flawed as a character in a sense, in a way in this world where she's so insecure that she feels like, she doesn't really deserve anything better than a friend like Rachel so she's kind of she doesn't have that confidence to be like i can do better in a in a way but also Rachel stimulates her i think that Rachel really she, she see sarah can see through Rachel's facade in a way and see that you know she does have an excitement for life in a way and she's always up for adventures and at the end of the day that's better than someone that's i guess depressive and negative in a way even though Ra- Rachel is negative but she she's more like a she's definitely stimulates sarah in a way that you know opens her up to new adventures and that can be for for the good or sometimes for the worst but
3: yeah she
6: gets her out of the house
3: exactly oh no doubt and and she needs to get out of that house cuz she's got some of the creepiest parents i've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah the parents they they're some of her favorites too they're just ridiculous just the boomer archetype is fun giant boomers.
3: Yeah. no doubt the giant you say giant because in the first episode of season two I'm not trying to give anything away but like there's a scene where and it was brilliant where sarah walks into the house and her parents are like triple her size and i'm yeah. like because you know she's supposedly in trouble i'm like that's brilliant right there i loved that scene
5: yeah i don't know where, where that came from really I, there's just something funny about playing with with perspective of characters and your parents feel bigger than you. And even when you're an adult, they feel bigger than you. And it never really is going to change. Yeah. It just seemed to make sense. And them sitting on the couch. I feel like that's a parent thing.
3: So, oh, so no doubt. No doubt. And you guys don't there. do that all the time either. That wasn't like a thing you guys do all the time. So that's another reason why I kind of thought it was interesting, but this, this show's always been a little nuts. and And you guys have said that already. And that's, that's why we love it. But did you feel like after season one, you're like, okay, now we got to turn it up a little bit. Now we've got to do so. Now we got to push it a, li- a little bit more. Or did you just kind of say, hey, what we're doing is already working. Let's kind of stay the course here a little it
5: bit. It was essentially a con- continuation of season one because we still felt like there were, you know, more stories and episodes for them to, adventures to go through. So, But this one was a little bit different in contrast to season one because this one we had a little bit of a light serialization going on, a bit more of an arc. You can tune in pretty much any episode, but you know if you it's one of those things where if you watch the whole thing, you're rewarded for for it a little bit more because you can kind of have a, a little bit more of a story that goes through the whole thing. But uh yeah, the goal was just to up it, you know in term in in every aspect possible, make it stranger, funnier, you know just better in terms of the writing and every way we could.
4: Yeah, it's a much bigger bigger riders room, a bigger crew this time, sorry I should say. It's almost I mean, I guess it almost be what five, five times the size of the first first one Cusack, something like that. It's a lot more like that. It's uh Yeah, there's a lot more people involved this time, so it's sort of yeah, sort of took it up a notch while keeping the soul hopefully of the first season, you know, cuz lots of people go you know, once season one is done, yeah, you know, oh, I'll never be like the first one. I'll never be not like the first one. But that's what we tried to capture—that to still keep the soul of the first first se- series and even the YouTube videos, which were just which just Cusack animating alone in his room, carry it on. You know.
5: Also, I'll just say one more thing to that. We, the reason, like, I'm so happy with season two, and I think like one of the things that that makes it so fun to work on is like it. It, we're not phoning it in it, it genuinely is like a passion to tell like another season if we had nothing to say or like just kind of like we're running out of ideas we'd probably just say to adults to him like we can't we, we can't do any more so yeah we've got we had that kind of fire to do more in us
3: oh it, it, that's very clear when you're watching these episodes too no doubt so this season lucas is back still trying to convince sarah that he's not creepy that's Tough to do when you're Lucas, but I mean, does he stand a chance? And and Sarah, for you, I mean, I I guess that's more for you than does does he stand a chance? Is is there even a possibility here? Because he's the guy's trying.
6: So hard to answer that. Uh, (laughs) Look, I think what can I say? I'm interested to see where both Sarah and Lucas's journeys continue to go as they evolve as people and start to figure out who they are and yeah that's
3: i don't that's all i can say she's trying so hard <laughs> so hard not to spoil anything and i love that <laughs> so so for you guys i i mean we're gonna meet some new characters this season obviously so who are some of your favorite new characters that we're going to meet and we long this season
4: my favorite that i can think of off the, off the top of my head is a guy called the b-boss <laughs> yeah that's that uh, uh, that's some uh, like there is a without spoiling too much there is a bee related episode you know they might end up at a beehive or something like that yeah the bee boss is one of my favorite favorite new characters that you get introduced to because there's a reference in there too that we love getting in basically when you when you get introduced to the bee boss and i think it's really funny i think it came off really well
6: i think for me there's a a love interest for sarah in episode four Um, Yes.
3: yes yes i'm so glad you said that
6: yeah, that's probably my favorite. I remember like when I read, cause I don't know anything about these scripts when they arrive. Like I just get them and get this glorious joy of like sitting down with a cup of tea and reading through them. And when I read ep four, I was just deliriously happy with the choices that they'd made.
3: It's interesting too, because, and I was going to ask you guys about that actually, because the show to me is so visual at times. There's so many things going on visually In the show so especially like for todd and for you sarah like when you get these episodes do you have any idea like what the character designs are going to be like what the settings are going to be like because i feel like not knowing that could be fun but i also feel like knowing that could be like what what really okay this is (laughs) this is pretty wild
4: yeah well i mean it starts off with me and Cusack in the studio just doing the voices so we don't really we haven't even thumbed anything yet so that's sort of where we don't have any visuals to go off when we're doing the, um, the voice recording at the beginning. But we do, you know, I do, maybe it's because I'm so close to Cusack and I, I know his style sort of thing. Like I know that there's no holds barred. It's going to be as insane as it needs to be basically to, you know, take it to that next level. So whenever, if there's anything that we're ever doing in terms of our lines that, that we're going, how you know, how are we going to make this work visually? It's just the, the more insane, the better, basically. It's like, oh, no, we'll make it work by just, you know, going outside the box and doing something that's, you know, maybe technically beyond. And the kind of thing that a, a regular, you know, network would get back and go, no, you can't do that. But, uh, you know, we just push the envelope. You know, we never get the feedback that's no, 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 don't do don't do do not that. Don't do that technical thing. You know, all the anything that we do that's, you know, a little bit insane that, that they will take. And they go, yeah, that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that Adult Swim want basically. Which I, and I, that's that's why I love Adult Swim cartoons. You know,
5: yeah, that's why I I couldn't couldn't agree more with Todd. I just love Adult Swim so much for how accommodating they've been to us. Because sometimes you know, the right character design for a specific character will be you know really detailed and like a good drawing, but sometimes you know it'll be just like a, a bad drawing, like a crappy <laughs> crap drawing, and. Not many TV shows and networks would be all right to allow that, but Adult Swim get that that elevates the humour and the style of the show. And, you know, that is a kind of comedy in its own way. So, yeah, it's, I love that mix of crap and good.
4: <laughs> I, re- I remember Cusack um, going into the studio and, and going, and I, was, I looked at one of Nick Simpson's animatics and I, I went, how did that one get through? And that was because it was, it was Nick just drawing, you know, a really crappy character in the background and passing it by you and you said, "Yeah, that's that's exactly what we're using for the finished product." You know, it was just him you know scribbling really quickly. It's like, "Yeah, let's use that that scribble." Like that's a great great character.
5: Yeah, it's know. just like cuz it keeps it fun. It keeps it You never and you the want fans the fans love that. They really do. Yeah, when you're working on a project, you never want it to become formulaic and like, "All right, so now like it, you kind of want that fun to permeate through the production way because The writing of a show never really stops until it's like done, like until like the finish of it, because you're still kind of coming up with strange ideas during the storyboarding and the animation. So, and that's with any animated show. We're not unique in that way, but it is just a great stage to keep adding creative and funny things.
3: I think the choice, and this is out there in the trailer. So this is, this is not a spoiler. I love the fact that, you know, we go to the sausage sizzle, sizzle, Sarah and Rachel both have these visions. They could not be more opposite Visions. I thought that was so hilarious. So talk about when you guys were kind of coming up with that idea, and and Sarah jumping on this too. Like, okay, so Sarah wants a garden, and Rachel wants to be an empress. How do we even come up with that polar? Like, you couldn't be more polar opposite ideas. I thought that was really great.
5: Well, so I just thought, you know, when when I think about the things I want, they can be really contrasting. So it's either like sometimes it'll be it depends on your mood, right? Like. Sometimes it's like, oh, I want to move to the middle of the country and just get a little shack and just retire and then, you know, have cups of tea and just chill out. But sometimes if you're in a different mood, it's like, I want to work hard and conquer and, you know, really, really make a name for myself and, and influence the world I live in. And those are two very different desires. So, you know, pushing those to the further side of the spectrum, it's like, you know, one is just doing something simple like a garden and the other is like ruling the universe essentially or ruling like a planet you know <laughs> like so it just feels like you know they're, they're the most opposite things and that's what really will be kind of this division between sarah and rachel and test their friendship
6: but it's interesting michael how you kind of also flip that with sarah's as well because her one goal kind of slowly starts to
5: yeah it, it, it's almost it. exactly yeah. it's kind of it's the irony of it it's the it's the what's that tail what's the rabbit being faster than the mouse or whatever that's <laughs> tortoise
3: in the hair tortoise in the hair yeah the you know, hair. i got your back i got your back
5: yeah tortoise and the hair. it's kind of like that thing it's you know the irony of sometimes you get what you know that rolling stones thing <laughs> you get what you what well, you didn't expect, I guess.
3: You, you, get you don't always get what you want. Who wants to sing it? Anybody want to sing it? Because somebody knows. Okay, <laughs> I'm you not doing. You don't
5: always it. get what you want, but you get you become. You get what activist. you need.
3: There you go. You
5: <laughs> don't always get a garden. Yeah, like it, and you know that's interesting because Rachel really is you know jealous about. How Sarah kind of got some. It's it's interesting when a friend gets something that you really really wanted, and they kind of didn't want that much. That's you know a fun thing to play with too.
3: I just wanted to. Know, does Sarah have an actual garden? Can she garden? I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
6: I I. It is actually like on my list of things that I one and
3: really oh just so were you inspired by this or were you just like, like i was like well it
6: i work? wasn't i didn't even connect the dots to be honest james and then i thought about it the other day and i'm like oh my god i'm turning into the character like i actually just want a garden and like just want to chill out sounds it sounds great That's i don't want, i don't want to post about it on instagram that's
3: <laughs> no don't don't do that don't be that person <laughs> don't be that person at all okay so i try and save the tough questions for the end so here we go are you ready for this all right so, yep. vegan sausage thumbs up or thumbs down? Let's do this.
5: I've never had one, but it sounds okay, I suppose. Thumbs up. I had one. I've had one.
4: They it tasted good. Really? Yeah, I I I've, I've had vegan cheese before and that was probably the worst thing I've ever had, but vegan sausage, yeah, works for me.
6: It depends on the brand. I've oh, so
3: she's tried multiple then. Uh-huh. So she's she's right in so if we want a vegan sausage expert we go to Sarah and try and find out, you know, what the best vegan sausage is. Have you tried the bacon though, like the fake bacon? Have we done that? No. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. I
3: yeah I've had tried, that. Often, so you haven't tried the sausage, but you tried the bacon.
5: Yeah, I think that was on a burger or something, like one of those, like, like Beyond Burgers. Like I had some fakein on that. It was all right. Yeah. It's Mixed with everything else, so I couldn't that's... really tell the difference
4: to be honest. Yeah, wow.
5: See, because
3: really it looks scary as hell to me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could do it. But, but have it you know?
5: like coated with other things, like sauces and other bits and pieces around it tastes fine
3: all i know is i was rachel in that moment when i saw that episode when it's like vegan sausage like i'm out see ya bye
1: <laughs> <laughs> this, is,
3: this is not for me so I, I also want to ask you guys you said that the the writer's room is a little bit bigger and you had a, a little bit of that so how much did you all get to ad lib Is this just kind of an ad libbing environment that you guys have had from the beginning? Because it just feels like there's some ad-libs in there when I watch
4: it. Well, the ad-libs are, I, would, I wouldn't say the whole script, <laughs> but sometimes it's the whole script. Sometimes it's like, you know, we have the lines and that's sort of more of a guide than what we actually read in the end, because each line kind of goes through a process of me and Cusack initially in the studio, just rinsing it, rinsing different types and, and coming up with new ideas and whatever is making us laugh on the night whatever we've watched at the time or whatever we've is happening in our lives we just because we keep repeating things to each other we're very I don't know weird weird like that we're always weird noises and whatever uh, and lines and things like that so that that stuff all comes out in the show basically wherever we can put it in you reckon Kise?
5: yeah absolutely yeah like the The improvised stuff is what keeps it fresh and fun. Like I was saying before, that's always what helps kind of keep the comedy rolling with it. And uh, it's the funnest part for me to get in there and just, you know, see where we can, where we can take it. Unfortunately more for for Sarah's role though, because it's more a grounded character and we really want to, you know, she's 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 someone we really want to relate to and have like this anchor as the show. I, we, there's probably not that much outliving libbing, Sarah. That allowed that, allow her, that no. we
0: do.
6: No, he doesn't let me. Yeah.
1: Doesn't let me.
3: <laughs> oh, so when when he eventually he's gonna take the take the chains off in like a third season, and you're just gonna go go crazy. Yeah, yeah Sarah so
4: yeah. becomes
5: Rachel when sarah becomes wild that's when sarah will that's do it. the most sad living oh i
3: smell a body swap episode coming up in season <laughs> oh, yeah. three we'll have to see we gotta get to season two first though Yellow silver destiny gonna premiere january 22nd at midnight on adult swim next day too on hbo max todd michael sarah thank you guys so much for your time today i really appreciate it
5: no worries thanks thank james you. thanks for chatting with us thanks,
3: and trust me when i tell you if you haven't seen any episodes of yolo before whether it be season one or coming up in this second season, Silver Destiny. This show is wacky in the most wonderful way. It's off the wall. It's crazy. You never really know what to expect, whether it be aliens or, or something else or just some random character around the corner. It's just one of those shows that's always going to keep you guessing, and that's one of the reasons that, that you need to check out YOLO Silver Destiny starting at midnight, January 22nd on Adult Swim. Watch, make sure you're watching it again on, on HBO Max next day as well. Again, thanks to Michael, Todd, and Sarah for joining me to talk about YOLO Silver Destiny. Up next, getting to get to the review, speaking of HBO Max, talk about the first episode of The Last of Us, we'll throw some spoilers in there. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
4: This is comic book writer Tom King, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
3: One of the most popular video games of the last 20 years has now finally hit the screen on HBO and HBO Max. That's right, The Last of Us has premiered, and I wanted to save my review of the premiere to be able to do this with spoilers. Now, I do also want to preface this by saying that I'd never played The Last of Us before I watched this, so I sort of purposely avoided, you know, getting into any spoiler territory before I saw the premiere. I I knew the gist of the story. I was familiar with Joel and Ellie and some of the other characters, but wasn't really deep into what the story was about. I knew about the infected and things like that, so I knew the basics, but I didn't know any of the little details. And it was interesting as I went back and I was after I'd watched the, the first episode and I kind of went back to compare the game to the episode, how many little moments here and there that were just pulled right from the game into the episode, not necessarily as a shot for shot, but almost like more of like I said, a wink and a nod to those who love the games like Joel holding Sarah. And again, a bunch of spoilers here. If you're you're not caught up on the show yet, or if you haven't watched the first episode, just be aware of that. But Joel holding Sarah right before she gets shot, that was basically ripped right from the game. And by the way, speaking of Sarah, can we just give some appreciation to Nico Parker and how incredible she was in that first episode? I mean, she not only just embodies the character so well, but at the same time, just her performance to me was off the charts, and she really did. I heard this somewhere. I, th- I think it was in the in the featurette after the, after the episode where it was talking about, about the episode. She feels like a main character in the show just in this one episode, just an incredible body of work from her, and, of course, the way that she and Pedro Pascal were just... The, the partnership of Joel and Sarah and the the, the the daddy vibes from Pedro Pascal were on full, full effect in this episode, not just with Sarah, but you see the kind of later on with Ellie. Or you see at least the, the the beginnings of that coming up. And just, you know, the brother relationship that he has with Tommy as well. I don't know that Pedro Pascal, he's just the ultimate family man on screen or something like that. But in more badass roles, it's just, it's, it's interesting how it kind of works out that way. And it's also going to be the year of Pedro Pascal. I'll be talking about the Mandalorian trailer a little bit later on, too. So, yeah, it's going to be a very Perry, Pedro Pascal-heavy show. But I will say this. Within the first 10 minutes of this show, and if you obviously if you know the story of the infected, then you know what's up. But as I'm getting that that scientist that was talking, the doctor that was talking about, you know, the fungal infections and things like that and how this is actually something that can, can occur. Dr. Newman, that's his name. And and there's nothing we can do about it. And I'm and I was like, yeah, right, okay. And then the more it was described, the more I looked and looked into it. I was like, oh my god, this is not this is not good. This is unacceptable. I I, I can't I, I can't even think about this it's making me squirm. So and then it's not even that. And I didn't want to call them zombies because I don't think I classify them as that. Because if you listen to this show a lot, you know I don't like the whole zombie thing. Can't stand it. Drives me nuts. And you know, there's there's certainly zombie vibes to to these to these infected, but I don't feel like it's totally zombie esque to me. There's a some, there's something more monster and creature esque to it than zombie. There's certainly certain elements of it there, sure, but and and there's and their brains are taken over. I get that, but I don't know that I can flat out call them zombies. It just didn't feel like that to me. So either they're they're really not or they just did such a good job of it that I, that it didn't bother me. But and and the variations thereof, I thought were really cool too. That was very, you know, that's a very resident evil thing where you get the variations of those infected as well. You get the variations here in the last of us and, and they do a spectacular job with that. And we'll only see that evolve as, as these episodes go forward. And then you find out about, you know, after the fact you get the, you know, you fast forward the timeline and, you know, Joel is more hardened now. He's, he's, He's with Tess, and they're trying to figure out a way to go save Tommy and, and find a way out for themselves as well. You meet the Fireflies and Marlene, and Merle Dandridge was wanted to play Marlene forever. If you saw, you saw an interview with her, she talked about this is a character that she wanted to play in the game. Now she gets to play the character in live action, which is incredible. And I thought, and I can't wait to get more from Earl Dandridge as, as Marlene because these the, the Fireflies thing is interesting to me. It's almost like the Rebel Alliance versus the Empire vibe in Star Wars, but on a much smaller scale in that it feels like the Fireflies don't have a lot going on for themselves. And they, even they realize that they're in trouble here, that their movement is not necessarily moving forward the way that they would like it to. And it's this whole world is a war zone just because of these infected... And But is it more so the way people have reacted to the situation than the situation itself? And I think that's the commentary here that if you want to dig a little deeper into this mentally, you can look at. Is is, is society's response to this outbreak just as bad as the outbreak itself, if not worse? And, you know, that's something you could, you know, certainly, you know, look at and just mirror true to life. If you if you want to, if you want to go there, you certainly can go there. There's just a lot to piece together with this show. And then you get into the mystery of of Ellie when you find out more about her and that she's, again, spoilers, she's immune, it seems like, to this virus and how and why and things like that. And we're just starting to figure out how that's going to go and where that's going to go. And, you know, Joel and Tess are tasked to bring her to the Fireflies in another one of their locations. And again, this is, you know, the basis of, of part of the game as well. And that's part of the journey. And we're not going to get into spoiler territories beyond this first episode. But the the reaction that Anna Torv has, the Tess has, when she finds out that Ellie is basically infected, but not. It was that visceral reaction that she has and the mood changing scene that that was, I thought that was another brilliantly acted scene. And clearly this is a very, very talented cast. And there's just so many things that we get to look forward to in this show. But this is about as good a first episode as you can get. And I'm kind of happy that they went back and redid it. Usually it's not a thing that you want to do. Remember we talked about that about a year ago now, I think maybe even more than that about how they were reshooting this first episode. And you go, "Wow, oh, that can't be good, right? And well, I guess it was. Because they went ahead and they got it very, very right. And especially the casting of Bella Ramsey as Ellie. I mean, you want to talk about jumping right in. And everybody's worried. She's still going to be the foul-mouthed Ellie that we know. Come on. Have you seen Bella Ramsey and other stuff? Of course she's going to be able to pull that off. So, yeah, Ellie is very much... That just loose cannon, foul mouthed character that we know and love. Maybe loose cannon's not really a, a fair description, but she's got that wildness to her. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. That wildness to her that Bella Ramsey just jumps right into. I mean, I think that Bella did such a great job with this character in this episode. So even if you decided like I'm not, if you're not even sure about the last official, like I'm just gonna watch this because I like Pedro Pascal. I think you got really drawn in by this show and just how interesting it is on multiple levels. And this is only and the world is only going to expand from here. And that's something I'm excited about. For somebody that doesn't know the the deep inner workings of the game story, I'm looking forward to the world expanding and finding out more about this world and some of the other people that we're going to meet outside these walls. And I'm very interested to watch those who do know the game talk about the differences and the similarities going forward. So I'll be looking for, through that on social media and other stuff too, but this is about as good of an adaptation, I think, as you're going to get. This is this is getting it right for a story that really belonged on the screen, and, and some argue that it didn't. It's like the, the, the video game did it so well. Do we need to see this brought onto the screen? And my argument was, well, for those people who haven't played the game that, think this, that might think this is a good story, do that. And that's exactly what HBO and Warner and, and HBO Max have done here for me and and countless others. And does this make me want to go back and play the game? Yeah, hell yeah. Now I just need to upgrade my ancient consoles at home so I can play the game. and And then off we go. So yeah, The Last of Us, you can watch that every Sunday on HBO and HBO Max. I cannot wait to dive in more into this world and just see the amazing performances going forward. That's going to do it for my spoiler-filled review of The Last of Us premiere. Up next, let's talk about that Mandalorian trailer and some other nerd news, too, on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
5: This is Vanessa Marshall, voice of
2: Gamora on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Hera on Star Wars Rebels on Disney XD. And you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
3: This is the way to redemption. It's time for nerd news. I'm going to go through this really quickly. There's a few trailers I want to talk about, and that's kind of it. This week, And I've, how can I not start off with the season three trailer for the Mandalorian, which is going to be coming back to Disney Plus on March the 1st. And you see Din Djarin kind of on his way to redeeming his Mandalorian status after, you know, to taking his helmet off and all those other things. And you sort of see him evolving as a character is kind of the best way I can think to put it because, I mean, he hated droids, right? Maybe he still does, but you see that he has a droid in his ship now. And he was actually in a bar full of droids. All that's very interesting, but it seems like he's going out of his way to try and help his people, help the Mandalorian people. So he's going to Mandalore. It seems like the best way that he could like redeem himself and get back in the good graces is to find another Beskar mine, right? So I'm wondering if that's one of the things... ...that he's looking for, because they talk about, you know, being able to navigate the galaxy. It's not just about, you know, combat when you're a Mandalorian. It's also you got to know your way around the galaxy and things like that. So, and we see him going to a lot of different places in this trailer, seemingly anyway. That's, that's kind of what's being teased here. So I'm wondering if that's what he's doing, if he's searching for another best car mine... ...to kind of restore the Mandalorian people and, you know, bring them back to the status that they were before. And you see him in large groups of Mandalorians in this trailer... As well. But then there's always the, you know, hey, something's coming. And by the time it gets your attention, it's gonna to be too late, sort of thing, right? So now what is that thing that's gonna be coming? Is it is it the rise of, of the first order, maybe something like that. So that's something that we definitely need to keep an eye on in this upcoming season. And for some reason, and I don't know what it is, I don't know that I trust the armorer. And maybe that's crazy of me. It's a gut feeling more than anything else. I don't know why I don't trust. The armor, but for some reason, I kind of don't. It just seems like I—I I can't put my finger on it. I have no inkling as to why. I don't trust the armor, but for some reason, I've got my caution bulb lit when it comes to the armor for this upcoming season. And maybe nothing will go down. Maybe I'll be wrong, but at the same time, I'm—I'm—I'm just—I'm concerned for Din, for Din Jarn. I—I want to make sure he's okay. And we get to see Grogu showing off a little bit of uh, his force abilities. There in this trailer, which is, which, I, mean, I mean, you saw that a little bit last season as well, and, and, and in Book of Boba Fett too. But, like, it's very interesting now that they're reunited together that he's kind of becoming, Grogu's becoming more of Din Djarin's, like, almost partner or sidekick or something like that, rather than just a, a, a youngling that he needs to protect, sort of thing. So, and, and it'll be interesting how the training maybe continues with Din at the helm now that, you know, Grogu's basically decided to be a Mandalorian instead of a Jedi, or has he? There's a lot of stuff that could be happening in this upcoming season of The Mandalorian. I'm just glad we're going to be getting it sooner than I thought March the 1st on Disney+. I love the DC animated movie universe. I hope it stays exactly the way it is with Peter Safran and, and James Gunn taking charge of DC studios and all the talk that's come out and things like that. I hope it doesn't mess up the DC animated movies because there's another great one. Looks like it's coming. Batman, the Doom that came to Gotham will be on 4K and Blu-ray combo pack. And of course, digital HD that's going to be happening on March the 28th. If it sounds familiar, yes, it is an adaptation of the Mag- Mike Magnola series the comic book series that that was out years and years ago it's an adaptation of that and it's a very Lovecraftian kind of vibe to it there's supernatural forces that are kind of looking to wreck Gotham and burn it to the ground as it says in the trailer and you get to see a lot of you get to see different takes on some Batman characters you get to see a very different take on Green Arrow I can tell you that. You see a, a very cool and different character design for Ra's Al Ghul, Mister Freeze, and, and and some others as well. There's a very like noir vibe to the Killer Croc in this trailer that I really dig as far as character design goes. And just this is another Elseworlds story, and this is why I don't. I hope that these don't go away in the DC animated movie universe because th- this is an Elseworlds story. It of course takes place in a completely different timeline. And it's more of like, I think it's like 1920s, I think it is, is, where this is kind of set to be in. So it's just so unique and cool. And this looks vi- visually stunning. You look at the trailer, and there's not only just a lot going on action-wise, but the settings of this. And there's a scene where you've got Batman, and there's just like bats flying around. him. it's a very simple scene in this trailer, but the way it was, it was just beautifully shot. And I can only imagine what that's going kind to of end up looking like in 4k on a bigger screen than the one on my laptop so or on your phone if you've seen the trailer so Batman the doom that came to Gotham is going to be coming to 4k blu-ray combo pack digital HD as well on March the 28th of course follow at down and nerdy 757 on Twitter and Instagram to keep up with more information on that thing as we get closer finally I wanted to talk about one more trailer and that's for Superman and Lois season three which is going to be premiering on March the 14th, Gotham Knights, same night, of course, that's going to be on the CW. And the most surprising thing about this trailer was that Lois might be pregnant. Don't ask me how, don't ask me why. And, you know, we can unpack that a little bit later on in the season once we get closer to it. But the other problem is, is that she's gone missing in this trailer. And of course, that just throws everything into just utter chaos. And we know that there's a new villain coming up for this season that's going to really, really test not just Clark, but this family as well. Especially, I mean, if if Lois is missing, it looks like Lois is in a bad way in this trailer. So, you you know, definitely some worry about Lois. I don't think anything's really going to happen to Lois, not long-term anyway. But there's reason to be concerned after seeing this trailer. We also get to see the first look at the new Jonathan Kent in this trailer, Michael Bishop taking over that role. And it just seems like these two brothers, it, it, it seems to match up a little bit better visually, anyway. And the, we get very, very brief dialogue from the two of them. But you know, Jonathan's going to be on his journey post football in this in this season. We've got Jordan, who's you know coming into his he's coming to his powers now, and you now he has to you know sort of deal with the whole superhero identity thing and trying you know keep those powers secret from as many po- people. As possible, so there's a lot at play here, and you see Clark at one t- at one point said to the boys, "We're going to get through this as a family." Now, does that mean something that's going on with Lois? Does that some- have something to do with the new villain? Is it the struggle between the brothers who may be going in different directions here? We'll figure that out in this upcoming season. But there's again a lot of storylines at play here in Superman and Lois, as there always is, and there's even more than that if you read the description for the season. There's a heck of a lot more. To unpack there, so it's going to be a very interesting third season of Superman and Lois. Hopefully, not its last, by the way, but it'll premiere on March the fifteenth. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy podcast. Again, thanks so much to my amazing guests for joining me this week. Like I said, follow along on social media at Down and Nerdy seven five seven on Twitter and Instagram at Down and Nerdy on Facebook at Down and Nerdy Pod on TikTok. Having a lot of fun doing some new TikTok videos on there. Something, some stuff that's very unique that you're only going to find on social media. All all this also can be found at dannerdypodcast.com. Make sure you're also subscribing to the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast. you can also listen online at realm.fm. Too, by the way, since we are a Realm partner, you can listen to us on there as well. But One thing you remember, no matter what you do, never have to apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.